Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's protection of David as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 29, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So David here really was divinely protected from God, as I see it, from fighting against Saul and, and Jonathan and, and those, uh, uh, you know, of his own friends and all that were there. God preserved him from fighting against Israel. So David and his men got up and they returned. And when they came back to Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had invaded the land. Now, here's something quite interesting. The Amalekites were the ones that God ordered utterly exterminated by Saul. But Saul failed to utterly exterminate them. He disobeyed the commandment of God, though he lied and said, I've done all that the Lord told me to do. That was a lie. He did not utterly exterminate the Amalekites. And we have pointed out in the past that the Amalekites in the Scripture are a type of the flesh, the flesh life. Now, what's God's verdict for your flesh? God doesn't say, now reform your flesh. God doesn't say, bring your flesh under control. God said, kill it. Crucify it. And if we, by the Spirit, do mortify or put to death the flesh, we shall live. Know ye not that your old man, your flesh, was crucified with Christ. And God has only one verdict for your old flesh, and that is crucify it. Utterly destroy it. Give no place for your flesh to fulfill the lust. And even as God ordered utter extermination of the Amalekites, a type of the flesh, so he orders the utter destruction of our flesh. Now, failure to do so is only going to lead to further problems. Had Saul utterly destroyed the Amalekites, obeyed the voice of God, then they would not have been able to invade Ziklag and take uh, David's wives and, and all of the spoil with them. Interestingly enough, as we get into 2 Samuel, we're going to find that an Amalekite came to David and said, I was passing through Mount Gilboa and I saw Saul and he was fallen on his spear and he lifted himself up and asked me to kill him and I came over and killed him. Saul, who was ordered to utterly wipe out the Amalekites and failed to do so, was ultimately killed by an Amalekite. You leave a part of your flesh you know, the liberty and say, well, that's just a part of the flesh. I want to hold on to that. It'll ultimately destroy you. So the Amalekites made an invasion of the land. They took the city of Ziglag because, of course, all the men were off to war and several other cities. David and his men came to the city and they found that it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were gone. 
And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and they began to cry until they had no voice left, no more power to weep. David's two wives, Hinoam and Abigail, were taken. And David was greatly distressed. And the people were talking about stoning him. Now, you remember, David had a rough crew. Everyone who was in debt, everyone who was in trouble, everyone who was fleeing from the law, they all came down to David. He didn't have really a, a choice kind of an army. He had every renegade and outlaw in the land that fled to David. So here, when they come back and find that the area had been taken, they're going to stone David. So David was greatly distressed, for the men were speaking of stoning him because all of the people were so grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's sometimes that that's the only place you can get encouragement. You know, things are so bad that the only place you can find encouragement is in the Lord. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that is a marvelous practice, something that we ought to be doing more ourselves, is encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Now, how did he encourage himself in the Lord? Read the 45th Psalm. I think it is, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. He's going to yet deliver you. You know, he sort of talks to himself. And we need to tell, why am I so discouraged? Why am I so despondent? Why am I so cast down? What's the matter with you, soul? What's your problem? Don't you hope in God? He's going to yet deliver you. You know, you don't need to be discouraging. God, God's still on the throne, and we need to just sort of encourage ourselves in the Lord. God is on the throne. God is in control. God is in control even of this situation, and God is going to work. He's not going to let you down. And he just encouraged himself in the Lord. A marvelous practice and one that we all need to learn because we're all going to face tough situations, discouraging situations where we need to be lifted up and the only place to find that is by turning to the Lord and realizing, hey, it's not out of God's hands. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He's going to work these things out. And oh, thank you, Lord, you know. And you get strength. You get courage as you look to the Lord and begin to get the things in balance and in the proper perspective. And so David said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail you'll recover everything. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed back. They were so faint they could not get over the brook. And they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David, and David gave him bread and gave him water. They gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten these, his spirit revived. For he had not eaten any bread or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, and I am a servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. 
And we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. We burned a Ziklag with fire. And David said, can you bring me down to this company? And he said, if you'll swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me to the hands of my master, I will bring you down to this company. And so when they had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad in all the earth. They were the Amalekites. They were eating. They were drinking. They were dancing because of the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. They took advantage of the fact that the Philistines and Judah had all gone up to have this big battle. And so they came in, women and children left, just were able to wipe out these towns, take the spoil and so forth. So David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man except for 400 young guys that got on camels and rode off. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, nor sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them, David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they had driven before them, and he said, this is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men which were so faint they could not follow David, who they stayed back by the brook of Besor. And he went, they came forth to meet David and the people that were with him. And David came near to the people and greeted them. And then answered all the wicked men, the men of Belial, those that went with David, and they said, because they didn't go with us, we're not going to give them anything from the spoil that we have recovered, except we'll give every man his wife and children back. And David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with that which the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to battle, so shall his part be that tarried by the stuff. They shall part alike. And so it was from that day on that he made a statute and an ordinance in Israel unto this day. And that is those who stay back by the stuff share equally in the spoil with those that go forth into the battle. Now, this, I believe, also is a rule of God today, say, in the area of missions. You know, if a missionary is out there, how can he go, the Bible says, except he be sent? And so as we send and support missionaries staying here by the stuff, so to speak, we share equally in the rewards and the fruit of their ministries. God's law, an ordinance, statute. They that stay by the stuff share equally in the rewards with those that go into the battle. And so when David came to Ziklag, he sent the spoil to the elders of Judah, to the many cities. I like this verse 31, to those that were in Hebron and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. And... Uh, so in all these areas where David and his men were going around, he sent a lot of the spoil to these various uh, cities and to the people in those cities. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. 
And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, the Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded from the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. So Saul was hit by an arrow, and he knew that he was going to die, but he was afraid that the Philistines would come and mutilate his body, torture him and all when they got him. And so he asked his armor-bearer to kill him, but he was hesitant to do so. So Saul set out his spear, and he fell in his spear. But even then, he didn't die. It says, and he died. But actually, uh, as we get into 2 Samuel, we'll find that actually he still hadn't died. He was still lying there, and, and this Amalekite came by, and he raised himself up, the spear threw him, and pleaded with the Amalekite to kill him, which he did. Then his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, that is, he thought he was dead. He fell likewise upon his sword, and he died with him. So Saul died, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all of his men the same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley and those that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow that the Philistines came to strip the slain, and they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent it into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtoreth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth-shan. Now, Beth-shan is right at the northern edge of Mount Gilboa. It's the end of the range. It was a city that the ruins are still there. In fact, the walls of Beth-shan still stand today. That is the ancient ruins. They've been excavated some. And the Philistines cut off his head and then pinned his body on the wall there at Beth-shan. And um, it is near Mount Gobos, a city that was nearby. And so the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead, Jabesh-Gilead was over on the other side of the Jordan River, when they heard what they had done to the body of Saul. The valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall at Beth-shan. And they came to Jabesh and they burnt them there. So they cremated Saul and his sons. Now, occasionally people ask me my opinion of cremation. And it is just this. As far as I'm concerned, cremation is only a speeding up of the natural processes. Cremation will do in 37 minutes what Aramachasis will do in 37 years. It's just a speeding up of the processes of the destruction of this body. Ultimately, your body, even in the grave, is going to deteriorate 
and go back to dust. Cremation only hastens the process. I see no spiritual kind of a reason for not being cremated. I don't think that it's wrong if a person wants cremation. I, I don't see anything wrong with cremating a person's body. I don't see any spiritual significance at all to the whole thing. Saul and his sons were all cremated. And the Bible doesn't say anything against it or, you know, oh, that was so horrible or that was so wrong or whatever. Uh, so actually, it's only a shell. It's only a tent that has been worn out and is no longer of any value and, and what they do to my body after my spirit moves out, I could care less. If my cornea and my eyes are of any value to anybody, they're welcome. If my kidneys are of any value, they're welcome. If my heart is of any value, they're welcome. They can do whatever they want with this old body. Once my spirit moves out, I could care less. And if they want to save money and cremate the thing, fine. Because I'm not going to be around to worry about it. I'm going to be so stoked <laughs> with a new model that has been given to me that I have no desire to hang on to the remnants of this old thing. Appreciate the body that God has given to me, appreciate the good years. <laughs> but uh, this old house is, isn't what it used to be. <laughs> and as time goes on, it's becoming less all the time. Paul the Apostle said, we who are in this body do often groan earnestly desiring to be delivered. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we might be clothed upon with a body which is from heaven. And you know, after a certain period of time, you, you start getting tugs and pulls from the other side. You know, you, you've seen it all, you, you know, you, you live and, and, and you think, well, hey, Lord, I'm ready. I've seen enough of this corrupt world and this world system. Paul said to the Philippians, hey, I have really mixed emotions. For I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is much better. And yet, I feel that you still need me for a while. And so for your sakes, I want to still be around. I love you and I love your fellowship and I like being around you. But Man, I'm really tugged also from the other side because it'd be so neat to just be with the Lord and there with Him. So this mixed emotions. And I think that there are times when each of us as children of God have these same mixed emotions. We desire to depart and to be with the Lord, which is far better, and yet we still feel the responsibilities and the tugs and all uh, from the, the needs that there exist still for our presence or help or influence or whatever to those that we love around us. So those mixed emotions. So they took the bones and they buried them under a tree at Jabesh 
and they fasted for seven days. So the end of Saul's career, a sad and tragic career, a man endowed by God with tremendous abilities, good looks, great physique, a man who had once experienced the anointing of God upon his life, but came to a place of rebellion against God disobeying the voice of God, thinking that he didn't have to yield to God any longer. And because he rejected God from ruling over him, God rejected him from ruling over Israel and the sad and the tragic end of the man who played the fool. Body mutilated by the Philistines, cremated by his friends, buried. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 29-31 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Thank you, Father. For thy word. And we pray, Father, that we might learn by the examples and by the lives that we, Lord, would obey you and yield to you and submit ourselves in all ways. Lord, we pray your blessing now upon these, your children, as they go their separate ways. Let the word of God, dwell in our hearts richly through faith. And may we with all the saints comprehend what is the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of your love for us as we walk with thee. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation, 
or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.